This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. Welcome back to the Premier Chels. Guys, five, six games in a row where I can start positively, but I think I can be even more positive today because Alex is back. Alex, welcome back. Your loan was a little too long, but it's good to see you back and refreshed. Thank you very much. It's it's good to be back. It's been busy with school and work, but now I'm finally... Uh... Yeah, back on a permanent transfer to the Premier Chelsea. <laughs> Rahul, we can't forget you. You you and I have been here while Alex has gone and honed his skills on loan. How are things with you, my friend? They're pretty good. It's good to have Alex back. I can safely say he's made more appearances on the podcast this season than Pulisic has in the Oof. first team. Uh, <laughs> but Alex, it's good to have you back, and uh, I look forward to discussing the Villa game. Yeah, let's get into the game, guys. So Aston Villa, like I said, a lot of positives going on in first five, six games for Graham Potter. Rahul, why don't you take us through the starting 11? Maybe we can discuss that a little bit as well. Yeah, Kepa continuing in goal. Uh, Chalaba, Thiago Silva, and Kukurea as the back three. Uh, it really depends on what the outlet was, but some I was talking to another Chelsea fan on a different podcast mentioned that he saw it as a back four online. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way we have it is a back three with... Again, this is this is not how we saw it initially, but Loftus Cheek right. on the right, Kovacic, Mount, and Showell in the midfield, uh, Sterling, Aubameyang, and Havertz up top. But I think Sterling was more on the right wing before the switch happened with Loftus Cheek. Yeah, I'm glad you addressed that right out of the bat because I think Loftus Cheek played a little bit closer to the middle with Kovacic, Mount a little bit higher, and Sterling playing right wing back. Alex, I'll bring you in right off the bat. Raheem Sterling at right wing back. It's an interesting position i know that thomas tuchel did that with pulisic and with hakim ziyech and others at more attacking players at wing back what do you make of this with raheem kind of going into wing back yeah i think it's obviously not the most natural or ideal position but at the same time when you have good enough defenders behind the ball holding it down in the back the wing backs essentially act as midfielders they just need to track back a little bit more so it's not necessarily how you'd want to line up for a starting lineup in a game, but you know, it, it is, it is a good thing to have that sort of flexibility. I mean, I wouldn't want to go into further games with uh, Raheem as our, as our right wing back in the same way. I'd rather see Polisic playing uh, up in the attack as opposed to uh, out wide. Um, but ultimately I think it's, it's good that the players have that flexibility and good that Potter's willing to try it out and make things work in game. And I think that's one thing we're noticing right off the bat is Graham Potter is not afraid to make changes and a lot of changes from game to game, depending on who's fit and what the opposition is, maybe just rotation, but several changes made for this game. I think one thing we need to talk about as well is with Reese James, who is usually the preferred right wing back being out on, I don't want to say a long-term injury, but it is long for us Chelsea fans is several weeks out as well as in Golo Kante, you're kind of strapped for, who's going to play at that right wing back position. So it's going to be interesting. But Rahul, I mean, early days and a goal comes quick. I can't remember the last time Chelsea scored a goal super duper early in a game. I mean, obviously it comes off a mistake, but why don't you walk us through it for a second here? Yeah, I mean, it comes off of a mistake. Like you mentioned, Tyron Mings trying to clear uh, mistimes 
misplaces his header, which falls to the path of Mason Mount, who's in the box. And I think we need to talk about mm -hmm. the freedom afforded to Mason Mount uh, under Potter, under Potter to kind of just float, be a playmaker, be a striker in this case, be be in positions where he can benefit from obviously providing assists in the last few games, but also scoring in this one. Uh, but it take nothing away from him. I think you've still got to, the ball's got to come down. You've got to time it well. Martinez is closing you down. So uh, he does everything right and places it right in the corner, uh, puts his 1-0 up. I believe it was six, seven minutes in. Uh, and so definitely a, a good start because I think uh, Villa away, we spoke about this in our last uh, episode previewing this game. Villa away is never easy. So an early goal makes things better. Uh, and mounts, no pun intended, the pressure on on Villa. But uh, I got to give Villa credit for the way they bounce back from from this early setback. I think that's a good way to put it. It was mounting the pressure on. I mean, Aston Villa was already in a tough spot, and I think that's what makes it difficult. Is they're under pressure, Jared's under pressure, and usually when you have teams that are kind of in the spotlight, they kind of try and show themselves a little bit better. And credit to Villa, they played really, really well that first sixty, sixty-five odd minutes. I think. They were probably the better side, dare I say, as far as attacking-wise goes. But coming back to Mount, I think Alex, under Thomas Tuchel, even in preseason, Mason Mount seemed to have kind of gone off the boil a little bit. He's not the Mason Mount that we've been used to for the last couple of years. And I don't necessarily mean that in terms of output. Of course, we expect goals, we expect assists. But I think he just seemed disinterested. He seemed like he wasn't kind of involved in the play as much as he should what have you made of Graham Potts and have you noticed any differences that he's done to bring Mount into the team a little bit more certainly it it, it does seem like it's been a bit of a, a breath of fresh air a sort of revival for Mount um I'm not sure exactly how much I mean I think I'd have to watch a little more of of how we're playing and how Mount's playing under Potter to make a, a serious conclusion from it but I think it is very clear that there just seems to be, I don't know if it's more desire or just also positionally how Potter is able to rotate these players and really just get Mount in dangerous positions quite consistently. It does seem like he's finally quite comfortable in the role that he's in. And I know that's something we'd been, we'd been discussing and, and not, um, not maybe always agreeing on because under Tuchel, we saw frequently that when we play with a, a front three, uh, Mason Mount would be one of the wingers almost. Um, and a lot of people were saying, well, he's just a lot more useful when he's at that kind of box to box role, when he's allowed to be more central. Um, maybe we're wasting some of his talents out wide and we have better players for that position. But I think he's found flexibility, freedom, and a good system that is allowing him to really put his strengths on display, get shots off, get in dangerous positions and ultimately just be more involved in the game because we know he's good. We've always known he's good. Um, but yeah, there, there had been times that he just wasn't seeming super involved and like his strengths weren't being played to in some of those later games under Tuchel. Yeah. And one thing you said is he's being more involved. And I, and I think what I've noticed about Mason Mount, he's, he's a very intellectual footballer. He kind of finds the spaces to be in. And so even under Tuchel, if he was playing on the left or the right, he would drift. And so even with Potter, if he's playing down the middle, he drifts to the left or the right, and he finds a way to make space or get the ball and run with the ball. Rahul, on the alternative side, and I'm jumping right into negatives very quickly here, but 
it seemed like Aston Villa better, like I said. Kai Havertz is the other creative force or number 10, for lack of a better word. He's not clicking so far for Potter, is he? He's not, and it hasn't clicked for him, you could say, all season. I think we, we've been talking about Mount, and uh, you like you said, I think earlier this season, and rightly so, we called out Mount and Kai Havertz, and Mount seems to have turned it around. Of course, with the freedom and with the new system uh, that he's being played in under Potter, it just seems like Kai Havertz still isn't finding his feet. He isn't understanding what is required of him. Uh, played as number nine earlier this season. Aubameyang's obviously come in and done well. Three game, three goals, I believe, so far. Uh, so I think Kai Havertz is just struggling to figure out what is required of him, and and it is tough, right? You have three, you have games every three days, and and you have to play certain players because of rotation, because of you know just the congestion. Uh, but you saw when. The first half, I think Kai Havertz had one decent run where he's able to hold off a couple of challenges, use his his physicality, and eventually drive into the box, which I think falls to Raheem Sterling, and mm-hmm. he may have hit the bar, uh, if I'm thinking of the right, uh, right right play. But that's what you want to see more of from Kai Havertz, and I think sometimes he it just doesn't click for him right now, and it, it may just require a fluke goal, a fluke assist that gets his confidence going a little bit and, and gets him started up, but yeah, I think right now it's 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 tough for him. And I think Graham Potter being the great man manager that he is may just need to put his arm around him and, and kind of give him the confidence behind the scenes. And hopefully a goal or two or, or something goes his way, which gets him gets him fired up. I think he may need to give him a hug or hold, not just an arm <laughs> around his shoulder. He needs a little a little more positive encouragement. It's not it's not been his best time in a Chelsea shirt so far, but Looking back at Aston Villa and the amount of possession and amount of chances they have, one man that has found form, we praised him in the last episode, but Alex has been very, very pro this player, and that is Kepa. I think if Kepa is not in form and doesn't play the game he does, this game could go completely differently. Alex, what are your thoughts on the turnaround that Kepa's had? Rahul and I made some jokes about it last episode, but I want to get your honest feedback on Kepa so far. Yeah, I think, as you said, I've always kind of tried to defend him a bit. I think he had a rough patch and definitely wasn't up to standard. But then I think Chelsea fans, at least the online Chelsea fans, saw a few too many memes about Kepa conceding easy goals (laughs) and then forgot that they had eyes that they could also use to watch the games in addition to just carrying on the idea that he just let in every goal that came his way because when you think about it, his rough patch came in a pretty rough patch for the team with a defense that wasn't at its best, um, pretty disorganized period. Uh, And then under Tuchel, Kepa had really stepped up and it was evident several times when Mendy went to AFCON um, and, and just every time he was needed to step up in, in tournaments, he was, we know he'd won us multiple penalty shootouts, um, got us multiple pieces of silverware with penalty heroics, and he was making very solid stops again under Tuchel. And quite simply, anyone who's still pushing the narrative that, oh, Kepa's way too error prone, he's not at Chelsea level, he's levels below Mendy, he's levels below other keepers, it's just not true. I mean, he was, when he was at his peak before uh, his little downturn, he was the number one uh, Spanish goalkeeper. He was picked ahead of De Gea at a point. And 
I think on on current form, there's no reason he he couldn't get right back there because he's just solid, rock solid, hasn't let Potter down. And I really do like the fact that he is a little more comfortable with his feet than Mendy, mm-hmm. who is a great stopper, but does not have that sort of ball playing ability to the same technical level. Yeah, that's true. And Rahul, some of the saves that he made were absolutely world-class. And I repeat, I think if he didn't do those saves, this could be a completely different discussion. One thing that has been mentioned online, and I don't know how true it is, but maybe you're seeing it differently. People are saying Kepa looks a little more bulkier, like he's put on a bit of more muscle. And so not necessarily for shot stopping, but in the air, claiming the ball or coming out and punching that physicality that you need from sometimes teams that want to kind of bully you. Do you see any improvement in that area or do you see the physical change in Kepa? I I mean, I haven't seen the physical change like you're mentioning, but I have seen a change uh, in his confidence and his mm-hmm. his uh, ability to understand and, and figure out what is needed when it's needed in terms of punching, catching, diving. Not that he didn't have that, but I think like Alex was saying, when when the team's going through a rough patch, you end up kind of feeling that, especially when your defense isn't protecting you. So uh, I think Kepa has matured on and off the field. I think I've said this before. You you come in, I think Alex is around his age when he first signed for Chelsea, Kepa did. And and just to kind of put that in perspective, if Alex jumps in, you know, comes in as a 70 million signing, that's going to weigh on him as a 22, 23, 24-year-old guy. So uh, Kepa has matured on and off the field, and I think he's finally reaping the benefits of some of the work that was being done behind the scenes when he wasn't the first choice. And ultimately, I think it comes down to, we've always said this, Jackie's, when you have someone in your position that is performing, that motivates you to do better and can it knock does. them off, which is eventually what has happened with Kepa. He's gotten an opportunity with Mendy, shaky form, uh, and he's come in, done very well, uh, of course. But some of these saves that like you're talking about, as a goalkeeper, I don't want to write it off as luck, but sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right yeah, time, and, yeah. and he was. And you got to give him credit for that. And I think that just adds to his confidence going forward. But we can't keep relying on Kepa just to bail us out because what was in this game, I think if the stats I, I was looking at are the yeah, most Villa shots. Had 18 shots versus our eight in total. So, And I think if you look at the last four or five games on the, under Potter, these were the most shots we've conceded on yeah. goal. So you're right. On a different day, on a different mood, the way the camp is feeling, this could have easily been a whole different result where we're talking about what is going on. Why can't we can't we, why can't we defend? So I think that's a, a topic that we do need to touch on is the defense. But coming back to Kepa, I think long may it continue, and and I think that should be pushing Mendy behind the scenes mm-hmm. to say now it's my turn to to kind of wait for my turn, and when that turn comes, I've got to take it with with both hands. Alex, will seventy million weigh on you if you were transferred for that much? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think maybe it would, but I could still probably get more touches than we've got. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough, fair enough. But no, Rahul's made some really good points about Kepa. Let's talk a little bit about the defense. And 18 shots from Aston Villa that they did play well, but they are a struggling side at this point in time. Obama Yang didn't get a sniff. We really couldn't control the game. I think I'm used to the Chelsea's having a lot more possession. We had about 59, which is still a good amount, but in some games we're hearing 70, 75. We only had eight shots, four of those on target. What's wrong? Do we have to blame our midfield? Do we blame the defenders? Is it 
too many changes and people don't know what's going on there. I say we're praising Potter for that, but now we're finding the negatives. What's your opinion on this? I think ultimately it's, it, it is still new early days under a new manager. And I think you can't get too worried um, about the little, little things here and there. Now, if we see this trend continue, if we can see the same number of shots in the next game against Brentford, um, if we see Keppa once again having to bail us out with great saves or starting to concede some goals because um, we're we're not tightening things up at the back, then maybe I'd get worried. But for right now, I I think everyone from the players to Potter to the fans to the club is trying to figure out exactly what the right path forward is. Um, it's still very much a, a, a an early almost almost trial period. Obviously, it seriously counts. The results count, but it's it's early days for Potter and I'm not too worried. I think I'd want to see a little more, uh, see if this is a recurring theme, mm -hmm. but you know, ultimately the rotation is there and, and maybe now hopefully Potter's now learned something from this game and said, okay, well, these players might work better together and these ones might not. And this position might not be best for these players. I think it's all a, a learning game. So hopefully, hopefully things tighten up, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure because I agree with you guys that it's not at all sustainable to be uh, conceding that many chances and that quality of possession to an opponent like Villa. And to that point, actually, Graham Potter said the same thing, where even though there was a little break when the unfortunate news of the Queen passing, where he could kind of study the team, there was international break, and then games come thick and fast. So he's not had, and we've said this before, guys, a true preseason with the team where he's able to figure out everybody's strengths and weaknesses. And Rahul, I think you said this on a couple episodes ago, is like he's learning too as they play in game time. So he has to take notes and figure out what his best team is. But uh, just a quick sentence from you, Rahul, on Chilwell. Red card or not, he had a poor tackle there in that first half. Again, another thing that could change the tie. Yeah, he. in my opinion, he was lucky because that, yeah. was, that was definitely a red card, especially after VR looks at it. So uh, when things are going for you, they're going for you. And in this case... Kepa Mount Bayless out, but also VAR does, which usually never happens. <laughs> um, but and the flip side is when things aren't going for you, they aren't, and Villa suffer from not getting the red card call, obviously not not taking their chances or finishing the chances. So I'll, I'll take it. I mean, it's a tough tough fixture away from home. Villa is never easy, like we've said. So I'll take it, but we can't rely on two mistakes ultimately to to get us a win, which... Got to be careful with those as well, yeah. I'll stick with you, Rahul, and talk a little bit more about Graham Potter for a minute, because that first half, we're going in one nail. Things are feeling good, although you see Villa always have a chance. One thing that we criticized Thomas Tuchel was he wouldn't necessarily make a change quickly or swiftly or maybe identify the prom point. Some some may say he played favorites even. I'm, I'm you know, just speaking out loud... But that second half starts and Kai Havertz, who we've discussed that didn't have a perfect game, was off immediately. And Cucurella, who we haven't really touched on, who may have even been a Graham Potter like favorite because he came from Brighton, he played week in, week out, was also subbed off. What do you make of Potter's ruthlessness, maybe, is the right word? It's ruthlessness, but it's also just basically what the game demanded. I think something had to change. We were... Yep. We couldn't have gone on for that much longer without Villa sneaking one in eventually. So I think something needed to change. And Kukurea, for his in his defense, was doing what he could. 
he just wasn't doing it well enough. And so we needed Koulibaly to come in, maybe add a little bit of physicality and just add a little more understanding as a center back of what is required from the three attacking players that were that were causing the issues, but also the guys coming from midfield. Um, it was interesting that he left Chilwell on, given the fact that he was on the yellow. But clearly that tells you that he did think that Chilwell was mature enough stable enough to not turn let that turn into a red and what he was offering uh to that game and the other stuff was Kai Havertz I believe uh and Aspie came on and again that was something that was required so uh, I I'm I'm happy to see that and I'm happy to see a manager that's willing to make those calls and not say oh I'll give it another 10 15 minutes because 10 15 minutes in this game is a very long time we could be 2-1 down and all of a sudden it's a whole different feeling so credit to him absolutely and credit to what he must have said to the guys, the two guys he's bringing off behind the scenes, because they obviously would have been wanting to get a chance mm-hmm. to make things right in the second half. But he must have said, you know what, Let, we'll fix it in the next game now and you'll get your opportunity, which is good. Yeah. And Aspi Laqueta coming on, Rahul, I'm glad you mentioned that because we didn't really, we talked a little bit about Raheem Sterling at right wing back, but he was for the most part, not effective at right wing back. And I think, that's fair to say. Alex has talked about Pulisic there, and it's not very effective. Callum hudson Roy has been tried there. It's not very effective. A smart tactical move to get Raheem into the mix and do that. But one more player I want to talk about is, is Conor Gallagher as well. I, and the reason I bring up Conor Gallagher is because I haven't had Alex's thoughts on Conor Gallagher. He's been out. He's not been able to give us his full feedback. Alex, he's come in and out. He's had a little shaky start to his Chelsea career, but he seems to have found some confidence. Even though he doesn't play 90 minutes week in, week out for Graham Potter, he seems to come in and do the business and get the job done when called upon. Yeah, I I really do like what I'm seeing from him. And I feel like he brings almost um, a type of energy that I guess I would characterize as like early Mason Mount. Um, I think Mason Mount sort of developed under Tuchel, especially into a bit more of a an attacking player, whereas before maybe he, he was a, a little bit more box to box in a sense. I think Gallagher brings defensive uh, resilience and effort and focus and tackling. He brings offensive pressure and passing. Really, I would just say the definition of what you want in a box-to-box midfielder, which is especially helpful um, when you have now some very talented attacking players in Aubameyang, Sterling, um, Havertz. I mean, if you if you want to go, maybe they haven't all been on the best form, but Havertz, Pulisic. Um, and Mason Mount, who's been pushing up the field, you do need those players who are just going to keep the engines going and and bring the heat, bring the battles mm-hmm. to the midfield. And I think he's he's any manager's dream to have on the bench. Certainly could be starting some games, I think, depending on how they want to approach it tactically. But I think almost any team in the world would snap their fingers and take a player like that on their bench in any game, regardless of the stakes, because he just brings energy, fight, passion um and even if he's not the fully refined product yet when you want an impact sub that's really all you can ask a a talented player who's going to give it all for the minutes he's on the pitch and i love that all of these guys are chelsea boys that have been with the club for a long time so it's actually something positive and even though this doesn't matter at some point i think the the internet was talking about a lot of english players coming through chelsea we are an english club at the end of the day and so you look at the the Chelsea that was very, very successful a long time ago with Jose Mourinho. I think Lampard, Terry, Joe Cole, Ashley Cole. I'm forgetting a few names, but a core English contingency in there that gets the club going in the right direction. 
Rahul, before we kind of wrap up this, let's talk a little bit about Mason Mount's uh, free kick. He wins that, gets the second goal. Good free kick, okay free kick, goalkeeper's fault. Walk me through that one. Good good free kick. Eh? I think he, he definitely got enough swerve dip on it that got uh, Martinez a little confused. Uh, ultimately, Martinez did take two steps, I believe, to the other side before realizing the ball was going the other way. Uh, so, like I said, I think it was slightly a goalkeeping mistake because if he stands his ground or he dives the other other way, right. he saves it. But taking nothing away from Mason Mount because I'm a Chelsea fan, I gotta look at <laughs> look at that side. Uh, I think definitely a good free kick, and obviously you'll start seeing the the pits, the videos of him as a kid talking about yeah. how he hits him, um, and well deserved. I think he deserved a second goal, he even maybe deserved the third goal, which mm-hmm. obviously didn't come, but. Um, and he's done this before. He scored a few free kicks for us before. So I'd like to see more of it because we've we've not had someone do that kind of stuff for a while. Uh, maybe Lampard being the yep. last one. I can't even think of anyone. David Luiz once in a while. But <laughs> it'd be nice to see Mason Mount maybe make it a, a, a little more consistent. Hit the ball by the valve. It goes top pins every time. <laughs> if you haven't seen that video, you got to look it up of Mason Mount. But ultimately, 2-0, two, two three points. Chelsea moving the right direction, but this game ends with Steven Gerrard getting fired. Alex, is, is that sorry, official? Go ahead, uh, that's what oh, I think is are, happening. Are you breaking the sure. news here, Jack? <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm wondering how long he's going to survive this situation, or what's going to happen next. But Alex, can he survive much longer with with Aston Villa at this point? Also, uh, I, yeah, I wasn't exactly sure either whether it had happened. I saw that they were looking for Pochettino to replace mm-hmm. him potentially. I don't think he can necessarily survive much longer. I mean, it's ultimately it's just a tough job. I think it's it's similar to when Lampard was sacked at Chelsea, mm. though I will say the expectations <laughs> at Chelsea are a little bit higher than at Aston Villa. Um, but I, I think you can recognize that there's still probably a quality manager in there, which under the right circumstances with the right team, um, maybe even in, in the right league could do well. Um, but the, the, the Prem is a tough one, and we see top-level veteran managers get sacked every single season. You, you have kind of shocking sack. I mean, Thomas Tuchel, literally our, our our own manager, who many of us thought would be here for years and years to come, had a somewhat surprise sacking this season. So it's never easy. Um, and I guess I'm not I'm not going to blame him too much because I think just about every every manager has had a stint at some club, even the very top ones, um, or at least has had a spell. That has just been unimpressive, and and that's how the league works. Yeah, and Rahul, you know, it's been interesting because you look at his time at Rangers, and he was hugely successful there. And obviously, we acknowledge that the Premier League is a tough place, but what's going wrong? What can he do? Is it going to end in him being fired? Is it just going to be he's going to have to limp along and maybe things will turn around? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I asked you as an official. I was looking at it. I think it's everything but official. Yeah. So at that, I think at this point, it's it's just... A matter of time uh, and you look at their position they sit in 16th a point above the relegation zone so I think that's where the club the board of uh, at Aston Villa deciding to go in a different direction because they have spent money they have brought in players that put them in a position that they shouldn't be in sitting in right now they should be a, a lot higher up the table having said that I think seeing the last game you can see that the players are still on side they do believe in what is being communicated behind the scenes by by Gerard and his team. So 
maybe a little bit of more time would have helped. But again, that's one thing you don't get as a manager. And once the board or, or the, the club decide it's time, it's time. So uh, I'm sure he'll learn for, from it. I'm sure he'll be back in the Premier League or, or somewhere in Europe uh, relatively soon. But it's it's sad to see a manager lose his job. But we've this isn't the first time he's lost something to Chelsea. <laughs> I was going to say, don't compare him and Frank Lampard ever again. But no, whether whatever happens at this point, I think it's going to be interesting to see because Aston Villa did around less than a year ago let their previous manager go as well. So it's that turmoil of not knowing what the future holds and things like that. But a couple of other results I want to talk about moving away from Chelsea for a minute is our very own Alex had pipped Arsenal <laughs> to be relegated last year. Here they are. They can't put a foot wrong. They're sitting top of the league. Alex, what do you have to say about Arsenal now? Oh, I mean, I think <laughs> it's 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 tough, but you got to give some credit where it's due. Um, they've. Uh, it's actually interesting having having watched a good amount of that Arsenal documentary. Um, I'm blanking on what it's called, but the the Amazon all, all or nothing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, which for a while was a lot of nothing and not a lot of <laughs> Arsenal, you've got to give them credit. They've they've backed their manager through a patch that if many fans were in charge of the club, I'm sure mm-hmm. Arteta would have been out the door. But they've backed their manager. They've brought him young, talented players, and they've given him time to shape his style. And I'll say it right now, I don't think I don't think they'll win the league this season. I mean, yes, they're top, but it's October. Um, they're not invincible i mean if if leeds hadn't missed a penalty in their game they'd have drawn the game so it's it's not like they're a man city-esque winning machine as as pep has been in some of his title winning runs i think they're a very good team they are a team to beat um but i think it's well within the capabilities of most of the top sides to go out and match them and probably beat them in a game whether that happens we'll see but yeah you you gotta give them credit i'm i'm personally not uh uh, all, all I'm going to say is they're playing well on the pitch, but there's a lot of silverware left to catch up if they want to rival Chelsea in the modern era. Uh, and, you know, as as of right now, uh, I'm not too I don't feel threatened in any way, but you got to give them credit for the fact that they're clearly playing well. Yeah, you always tell the truth. It's true. They have a lot to do to keep up with us. And at, at some point, you have to look at benches as well, Rahul. I think that's something that's really important. But I want to bring you in for the Liverpool versus Manchester City game. That was a fiery one. And it's interesting because Alex said the winning machine, but Liverpool find a way to break down that machine, don't they? What was your thoughts on this? Because it went back and forth, a lot of drama, VAR. How did this game end up with Liverpool? I mean, ultimately, it's, it's the home advantage and... I think Liverpool defended a lot better than they have the last... I mean, you conceded three against Arsenal, so you you had to defend better. Um, And I think they did that. They shut out Erling Haaland, who's a man on fire, who couldn't stop scoring. They shut him out. Uh, Even the goal that was scored was from Phil Foden. So uh, you got to give Liverpool credit. I think it's it's not easy to come into that kind of a fixture on the back of, of everything that's been going on at Liverpool. But... Uh, they find a way, they they rally together. I mean, Joe Gomez, who was ripped apart, uh, I believe, in the Manchester United game a few weeks ago, put in a, a brilliant performance, and Van Dijk kind of seemed back to himself. So uh, I don't know if Liverpool are back yet, because if you look at that goal that they scored, I, I mean, Man City's high line was... Yeah. They were just asking for Mo Salah to run in, and he had once already, and nothing was done, which, which begs the question is, 
why wasn't anything done yeah to to maybe just prevent it or or i don't know pep gives out an instruction but anyway and then he didn't make a change until the 90th minute which which blew my mind because you're basically telling your bench players i don't trust you guys to come yeah. in and do anything here uh but i think look man city usually have one of these results in them and then they go on like a 15 16 game run and and everything <laughs> just turns around and we've been on the other end where we've been sitting top in october and by the beginning of december we're <laughs> we're starting to fight top four so i think arsenal just going on them if they make it to the break top i think they'll they'll obviously be in the top four running but i think man city still have too much but hey Last time we went four clean sheets and four wins back to back was 2016 17. And you know what happened at that at the end of that season. So I'm liking the positivity today, guys. <laughs> this is making me feel good. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to run through the table real quick and then pass it over to you, Rahul, to talk about the lady side and, and some news from the Ballon d'Or as well. But Arsenal at number one with uh, 27 points, Manchester City in second place with 23 points, Tottenham in third. We have not even dissected Tottenham, but they're up there and abouts with 23 points as well. Chelsea in fourth with 19, but we do have a game in hand and Man United for all their woes. I've said this are sitting in fifth. So Ten Hag doing all right over there uh, at the bottom, Nottingham Forest with five points, 19th place, Leicester City. It's getting, it's getting close to Brendan Rodgers as well. He may be following Steven Gerrard soon with five points as well. And then Southampton with eight points and few other teams very, very close to relegation as well. So just quickly to touch on the uh, Chelsea women's team, they're back. Uh, Emma Hayes had surgery, wishing her a speedy and quick recovery. Uh, but in the meantime, the women went away to Everton, a tough place to go to, but they came out 3-1 winners. Uh, two goals from Pernilla Arder. Uh, one was a penalty. And then right at the end, Neam Charles Brilliant solo run and and gets gets herself onto the score sheet to uh, to make it three one. And Jackie, you mentioned the the Ballon d'Or ceremony that was earlier today. Uh, our own Sam Kerr finished third in the standings. Uh, I think ultimately not making it further along in the Champions League did did hurt her, but uh, hopefully she can go a couple of steps ahead uh, for next year and and claim that title. Um, and we have the PSG Champions League game coming up this Thursday away from home. First game of the, the group stages. And then I've mentioned this before. Uh, we're sponsors on the on the uh, CFC or Chelsea Women's uh, Fanzine, which is just a magazine of content created by fans like you and me and Alex uh, around the world. I saw someone from Nigeria had contributed an article. So uh, it's about 28 pages. The first edition is out and available to order. Uh, check out the King's Meadow Chronicle on Twitter uh, and they have a link in their bio and we'll put up a link as well uh, and on our social media and you can grab a digital copy for a pound and we're also actually starting to ship worldwide um, so you can grab a physical copy and 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 read along and just get educated on on the game and, and the sport itself so uh, definitely check that out guys but Jackie, let's move it back to Brentford away. The games keep coming. You and I were talking before we started recording. You're like, what have we got? Champions League this week, Premier League. Yep. Uh, so we just have a lot of games, and this time around, it's Brentford away. It is another game, and it comes thick and fast. Alex, you haven't done a starting 11 in a while for us. I'm going to bring you in here to give us your thoughts on this. Do you think he's going to do a lot of rotation? Who's in goal? Who? What's the lineup? Why don't you run through that for us? I think uh, personally, uh, just to start with the goalkeeper, I think 
you don't normally want to take out a goalkeeper who's in good form like mm -hmm. this. I think Kepa should retain his spot, especially after an, another great game, because confidence is very big uh, for a keeper, just as it is with the ones who are trying to score the goals at the other end. Um, I guess to to then go top to bottom, which I think is is a little easier for me, maybe. I think mm -hmm. Aubameyang should play. Polisic, I think, definitely will, just because these games are coming so fast. Um, it's it's natural to get him on the pitch and get some other players some rest. Um, Mason Mount, would he retain his spot after this good performance? I think in if he's not fatigued, that's maybe a good idea because, again, it's as much as I like the flexibility of of Potter and of this Chelsea side, I think when a player is hot, you need to keep giving them that confidence, giving yeah. them those chances. Um, and then, yeah, the the it's the midfield and, and defense that just is so often rotated for us, I guess. I think I, I did like what I saw from, from Kovacic. I think Kovacic playing in uh, midfield would be good. Um, perhaps in the uh, Jovacic pivot of uh, Jorginho in there too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, I guess with Reese James out, you would assume as Piliqueta probably naturally takes that right-hand side. Um, and then on the left, Cucurella might be, might be the the natural one there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what you guys think for the the back line, if, if that's of any interest. Yeah. And I think with uh, our other center back out, his name is just blanked out at the top of my head for a second here. Fofana. But uh, Fofana, I think we're kind of limited in that area, right? I think Thiago Silva again comes in at Chaloba, who's been playing well, by the way. Chaloba has been pushing himself there. And then maybe Koulibaly has something to prove as well. He's not necessarily been Graham Potter's first choice center back. And so this is an opportunity for him. But I want to get your thoughts, Rahul, on what Alex is saying with Jovacic here in the middle. Uh, Ruben Loftus cheek seems to have found maybe his preferred position or his run in the side per se. Do you think he's going to be rotated out? I know we had talked a few episodes about him ago being consistent. He seems to have found that consistency as well. Is he going to get dropped? I mean, I, I don't know if it's dropped or rested. Rested, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't expect him to be playing uh, sat, uh, Sorry, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do have another big game coming up after this one. So I do think... Uh, like Alex had mentioned, Kovacic and Jorginho do play. Uh, and maybe if we do need reinforcements or do need to change something up, Loftus-Cheek comes off the bench. But um, I don't know if we I would coin the ter coin it as he's being dropped because you might get a certain certain group of friends going. But uh, And Thiago Silva, I think, did come up with an, a hamstring injury. Mm. So I don't know if he comes into this game. Uh, and if that's the case, then we're real short in in defensive options. But it'll be interesting interesting to see how uh, Potter handles this one, and maybe we're forced to play a back four. And he's kept us guessing, and so we'll watch this one carefully. It'll be interesting to see if actually Ruben Loftus Cheek makes the Man United game, and maybe he's first choice for Graham Potter at this point in time. So that's going to be a very interesting one. But guys, before we wrap up, we really need to get some score predictions. I think I was hot on the last one, Rahul. I'll start with you there. What's your score prediction for this particular game? You were, you've been, you've been on the money for the last yeah. few ones. Um, and I've been predicting that we're going to concede and and we haven't. So I'm going to keep up that theme uh, and say 2-1 to Chelsea. Okay. So you're going to go for 2-1. Alex, what about you? I think probably a 2-0 is my instinct. Um, 
yeah, I'd, I'd love to keep the clean sheets coming here. And I think hopefully, uh, I don't think it'll be easy because Brentford have been putting on some decent performances and we know they tend to turn up against big teams. They can be giant killers at times. So mm-hmm. a clean sheet and a couple goals to ease the mind would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, I'm going to be a little bit negative for 2-1 as well. I think that with Ivan Tony in hot form and if we do have a couple injuries in defense, maybe this is the time and... At some point, Kepa is going to have to figure out a way to let a goal go through. He's been in red-hot form, but we can't hold it against him. So I'm going for a 2-1. So win, wins all around, and that will serve us well because we'll win five on the bounce, yep. uh, which would be which would be a nice way to go into that United game because we haven't beaten them in God knows how long. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even remember the last time we beat them home or away. Uh, so it'll be good to kind of cake that into that game, but um we'll we'll review that or we'll preview that at a different time but that wraps it up guys thank you very much for listening please continue to subscribe like and follow us it's at the premier chels on all podcast providers youtube and on twitter it's at premier chels uh and alex is back too that means his page should be should be coming up uh, popping back up with some content so it's cool to fc22 uh but we will be back with a new episode but until then stay safe and up the chels Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.